everybody. Welcome to Comp Day, the podcast supporting young professionals of color. You're here with Dre. I'm very excited to announce that this is going to be a bit of a different episode. We are really touching upon being a parent, a full-time parent, and a badass in the office. So I have two wonderful guests with me, but right before we do that, I want to do the employee of the day. And it will be Amber Anderson, A-M-B-E-R, and Anderson is spelled in A-N-D-E-R-S-O-N. She is a black woman. Amber started a company called More, M-O-R-E, More, like More Like That. And her company is focused on providing new solutions for what it looks like to be a working parent. So I really advise you to look her up. She's pretty amazing, pretty badass. And she's um, covered by Forbes. So to dive right in, I have two wonderful humans in front of me. And I aspire to be anything like them. I aspire 10% of the strength the patience, and the power that they have. Um, so I will introduce, um, I'll, if they tell me, you know, us their names, um, their ethnic and cultural backgrounds, what they do for a living, and because this is a different type of episode, how many kids you got. <laughs> <laughs> and, your, and, you got. and your age to give more, if you want to share your age or your age range. Mm-hmm. So my name is Shiju Ade Kadri. You can call me Shiju. Uh, I'm half, uh, Yoruba, half Trini, so I think I got the best of both worlds. Food was really good in my house, still is. Uh, I would never tell my age because black don't crack, and I'd like to think that I will always look as I do because my mom looks like me, and I feel like I have good genes to come forward. Um, but know that I'm old enough to know better than to tell you my age. Uh, I have a two-and-a-half-year-old who is kind of the sunshine uh, of my world. I have an amazing partner, Katie, and I'm the chief advocacy officer at the LGBT Center. Uh, and all the other things that come with that. I'm a sister, I'm an auntie, I'm a friend, etc. And I'm uh, really excited to talk more this evening. All right. Hello, everyone. I'm Tyel Hayes. Um, I um, have two kids, a six-year-old and a three-year-old. He just turned three two days ago, so we Congrats. just celebrated Congrats. his birthday. <laughs> turn up, turn up, TJ. Um, <laughs> so, um, I actually work at BET. I'm the Senior Vice President for Consumer Insights. So I basically do all the research for the network. Um, and so I'm really happy to be here and talk about this journey of balancing work and parenthood. Thank you both for being here, especially as being black being in the LGBT community and on top of that, being C-suite. That is not easy. <laughs> I have unicorns in the room, people. Unicorns. I'm very happy about it. Um, so to give some context, we're in a workforce that necessarily doesn't support parents. And that includes um, just a few little statistics um, we have from G&A Partners Um, recorded in 2016 from the U.S. Department of Labor Bureau statistics is that at least for married mothers, 67.9% of married mothers are in the workforce. And then mothers who are not listed as married, um, 76% of them are in the workforce. And then for fathers, 93% of married fathers are in the workforce compared to fathers who are not labeled as married are 87% in the workforce. But that kind of also, and then when checking the statistics across race, it pretty looks the same. Um, 
in terms of how many people are employed or in in a working family or who are parents. However, we know from um, the statistic on Slate, um, the article is called Rethinking Work-Life Balance for Women of Color. And we know that we don't get the same amount of the dollar that our white counterparts get. And it changes based on your race and your gender. And um, that changes. So um, we are here to kind of dispel some myths to help people who are parents that want more resources to let people know they're not as alone as they feel and to inspire those who may be afraid to go on this journey and let them know that it is possible and you have a community. Sometimes invisible, but there is a community. (laughs) So I'm going to start with Tayal. He's very prompt. <laughs> I'm gonna, um, so when you started your career, yeah, did you imagine you were going to be a father and as far in your career as you are? Did you imagine that for yourself? Uh, no, on either space. I think coming out of college, I went to Hampton University. I'm a, I majored in marketing, and I did not know that insights existed as a profession. So that's one. So the, kind of what I do now, the fact that I literally stumbled into this, um, about 15 years ago has been amazing. This journey has been absolutely amazing to really, you know, advocate for consumers in offices and really fight for what you guys want on the brands I worked on. Um, but I also never thought I'd be a parent because when I first came out, gay marriage was not an option. And I'm from the South. And um, I just felt really unsure about what it was going to look like. So I, I assumed it wasn't an option. So I'd never explored it because it was never presented as an option um, until I met my now husband. And then we realized quickly that we um, thought about thought that we wanted children. Um, we fortunately um, got custody of my trans sister and my brother when they were in high school. And that was our actually our first little foyer into the idea of can we raise children? And once we successfully got them into college, both Hampton graduates, by the way, I'm big upset, HU, <laughs> HI in the building, um, the idea that we were able to get them through, we, uh, we actually literally stepped back when they graduated high school and said, oh, I think we can do this thing. And then that's how we started the adoption process. Look at you, Fiona Gallagher. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> how about you, Shiju? Uh, it's interesting. I definitely wanted children, but didn't see them as a, an, I didn't think my other way, the only way to be a mother was by, um, having children in my home. I have nieces and nephews and I think that was part of my own journey and just, um, self-awareness and self-discovery. And I think coming out after college as well made me a little hesitant, like, well, it might just be such a difficult journey. I don't want to get too caught up on, um, having children as a part of my life story because, who knows what will actually happen with the partner I end up with. And I think some part of me suppressed, like, you don't need children to be happy, which I think is true. But it was also, like, in same-sex relationships, there's so many other hurdles that you're thinking of. Um, I just didn't want to sort of let my emotional self into it. But uh, as soon as I met my wife, she was like, so when are we having kids? And I was like, uh. <laughs> uh, and she's one of those dream makers, right? Anything is possible. Uh, with her so I did not think you know to take a step back I actually started my current job a few months pregnant and I would have never imagined changing horses midstream we sort of had a plan we were going to try and have a kid I did not think that 
it would make sense to to start a new space when there was something new on the horizon. But, you know, we make plans and God laughs, right? And someone presented this opportunity to me. I sat down with my now team. Uh, and it, it was an opportunity that I couldn't sort of refuse, right? And the rest is history. The last three years have been a blur. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's been a fun journey. So... I can def- I believe you guys can agree that your perceptions of working parents have changed from before you were working parents to becoming working parents. Mm-hmm. Yes. So um you both have very very unique and interesting stories. Um who would like to start by explaining kind of how did you get into your parenting journey? What, you know, to guide folks into that a bit. Do we have alcohol yet? Or something? I will. So it's interesting you ask that because I actually think it's a pretty personal story. And we generally don't share some of those details because I think that for very broadly speaking, heterosexual couples, no one's asking, how did you get here? The assumption is, um, you know, a sperm met an egg. And the egg implanted, and here comes the baby. When actually many people have journeys that are um, unexpected, we'll say. So I will say that we explored all options. Um, I carried our first child, and that was something that ultimately worked after many conversations and sort of you know, prayerful and tearful nights about what we thought would be the best way to create a family uh, and sort of leave it there. But it was definitely... I think we were a little Pollyanna about it. Like, let's have kids. And we know people that have had kids in all these different ways, so it should be fine. Um, but it was it was a much longer process and journey and sort of introspection than I think either of us anticipated at the beginning. Oh, wow. Very similar. I think today's culture, was, especially fueled by social media, thinks that, oh, I put something out there in the universe and I get 20 likes and mm-hmm. I'm going to immediately get some kind of satisfaction or gratification from it. Our journey was very similar in that it, in the sense that it was much more complicated than we ever thought it was going to be. It was many more hills and valleys and crying nights. And I was like, why do people crying on these reality shows about having a baby? You just go and adopt one. I honestly felt like yeah. it was like you just go somewhere telling you want a baby, and then they kind of give you one. Not Obviously, it wasn't that simplistic. <laughs> right, but, I, right. but I thought in my mind it was that simple. Like, you ask, you put a request in, you get it, right? Um, our journey was, our journey um, actually went through, um, we decided to become foster parents first, and we were going to do foster to adopt when we lived in Ohio. And I was working for a company there, and then I moved to work for a company and to work for Johnson & Johnson, uh, specifically in Jersey. And um, we decided, we had we found out we had to start over from the beginning. And anybody who's been through the foster process knows that thing takes months to get certified. Before you even get eligible to get a baby, it takes about eight months to, of just real work, paperwork, clearances and then to move states you have to start from the beginning we were like we're out mm-hmm. we're out so we so we decided to go private and that was how we ended up getting how we ended up finding brooklyn in many ways how brooklyn's mother found us um our daughter's name is brooklyn and um they actually went through a failed adoption so we had one failed adoption first um and so we had a little girl that we named we met her my husband did did chest on chest and regulated on this little girl's breathing and then her mother decided in the hospital that she wanted to parent and that is almost literally like the worst nightmare of an adopted parent that you get a baby, you have it, and then someone comes and takes it from you. And so we had to leave that state with no child. And that that journey was, that's where it became a real test of our faith. Like, do we want to do this? And we actually said no for about four months. 
Um, and then surprisingly, right when we were just starting to think about it again, Brooklyn's mother found us on our adoption website. And she's something she said, I saw your picture and thought that you guys would be the perfect parents for my child. And so then that's how we ended up. We met her. She was 16 um, and pregnant. And we went down and we adopted Brooklyn. And then our second son came three months later from a completely separate um, situation. His birth mother lived in New Jersey. And um, she decided at the hospital. So it was the opposite. She decided at the hospital to give her baby baby up for adoption. So literally I was at work in a a call in in my one-on-one with my boss, my weekly. And my phone rang. And it was (laughs) was the adoption agency. And the adoption agency never calls to say hi. They only call right. when there's a baby. So I was like, oh, my goodness. Or you owe the money to be very <laughs> So I literally, we, I ran out of the one-on-one and turned out that TJ was born three years ago, three years and a couple of days ago. And, um, and we, he was born on Wednesday. We brought him home on Friday. Wow. And so it, we literally had, the, we had both experiences with our two children, literally almos polar opposites. Not even so time for a registry. Not even no time. I was, I was literally in Walmart running around like that guy with a basket of diapers and formula on Saturday morning. Oh, wow. wow. That's beautiful. Can I just say that I also commend, I have friends who have adopted, I have friends who are in, in process, and just the the heart that it takes, honestly, the heart in the stomach. Um, I don't know that I could... I'll say this very generally. I don't know if I could stomach it, the unknown and the uncertainty. And I'm just like, for my friends who have done it and now to you, I'm like, that's beautiful. Um, and blessed are those children. Yeah. Yeah. So about your journey, should you? You named He's a bit here. of it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll say that uh, just to expand a little bit around what I mentioned earlier. Uh, there were a lot of, I will say, stops and starts along the way and really just pausing sort of along the lines of what you said, like, do we want to do this? This is what we thought would happen. Here's what is actually happening. How important is it to us to um, parent? And how important is it to us to seek a process, of, for example, of adoption or of fostering or of one of us trying to um, physically bear a child? How important is the genetic and sort of biological connection to determining what family means? All of these questions, I think, from an intellectual and sort of romantic stance we'd taken beforehand. And then when it came down to brass tacks, like we want to have a child, really opening yourself up in that space Um, and thinking the sort of the other logical parts, like where are we both working? Do we have leave at those jobs? What's our health insurance look like? What will happen if, right, right. (laughs) what will happen if um, we get a call the next day? What happens if one of us actually gets really sick if we decide to carry? Like all of these things are coming in. And I think particularly for – sort of queer parents writ large, the process is so involved and so intentional because most of us can't wake up the next day and be like, oh my God, you know, like I'm pregnant, right? Um, So you really start to lay out all these possibilities in some ways drive yourself a little bit crazy, right? (laughs) So I, you know, I always say that our children will always know that they were wanted because this was an absolutely intentional process. Lord, do they know? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I think since because my mom, uh, I'm one of four. My mom is the paradigm for all the things that I do. She is another badass in this world um, with such a kind and generous heart. And I think, I like to think that I was a good child, but it was not until, really until I went back to work. So being at home, you know, you sort of get used to it and it's hard and you're settling into the new parent space. But going back to work and then coming home and you're exhausted from work, you're exhausted from, you know, taking care of a three-month-old. You have your partner. Um, 
And that child still needs and requires all of your love and attention. I think I kept telling her, I was like, why did you do this five or four times? Like, how could you give so much of yourself with such kindness consistently? And now when I come home and I'm, you know, the days when wrecked, microaggressive or frustrating or just fatiguing, um, I do my best not to bring that to him. Right. Because he doesn't know. But those are the sacrifices, the little sacrifices that parents are making every day just to put yourself aside for a moment. Um, sometimes to your own detriment or to your partner's detriment, just to be like, hey, baby, I'm here for you for, you know, the two or three hours I might have, let's say two hours before you have to go to bed um, on a work night. And just what that really is. I don't think I ever appreciated the sacrifice that um, my parents put forth, my mom in particular, in raising us. Uh, and she, you know, I, I told her about this a few days ago and she was like, oh, yeah, I used to be exhausted. And I was like, I, I don't remember that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember seeing her like that. I was sleeping in the car. Right? <laughs> <laughs> right? You know, we used to have to sit in the car while she went grocery shopping. And we were just like, oh, this is fun. But now I realize it's because dragging four children in the grocery store on a Wednesday night is not no a thing you want. <laughs> exactly. No um, <laughs> so much humility and appreciation for her. Really. I think that's part of the journey that. um you can't quantify before you're in it, um, but it's so real, and I'm appreciative for that reawakening of self. No better way to put it. Uh, <laughs> so you touched a bit about kind of the new fears that quelled your spirit when going on to this journey. Um, Tayao, could you e- explain a bit about some of those fears outside of just knowing you're going to be a father? What are those fears in the work world? Because, you, you know, you've had these very high profile positions you have you're responsible for so much budgets in people in humans and projects what is what type of new fear you know what type of fears came up and also some obstacles that arise yeah it's interesting because i think i was i was very aware of the divide between parents and non-parents and i'll be very honest in my experience in corporate america it was a bit of like oh, well, the people who have kids get to go home at 530 because they have kids to put to bed, and those of us, if a project is due, on those of us who don't stay. It's very un- unwritten, but that's kind of the rule, right? But you're also younger, you have more stamina, and you're hungry. So I was super hungry, super aggressive. We were, I'm going to make it up this, this corporate ladder. So I made all those sacrifices and those choices, and for me to make that transition once the baby came, for me, was the biggest challenge. Uh, with my first, at the same company I worked at with both children, we had two different paternity leave programs between my two children. So I was able to literally experience the idea of having no leave and then leave, right? So with my first child, we had no no leave. So I just took time off. And I had I, Brooklyn was probably two weeks old, and I had to go to China for a week and a half oh um, for work. And I was like, I got to go. because. And I stepped back and I said, it's okay. One, let's be transparent, she's a week and a half. So... I wanted to just calm down on that. But she was also, she's not going to know I'm gone. I'm not breastfeeding. Yeah. I, I can be okay. It's going to be okay. But also part of me was like I wanted to maintain something that was mine. And this China trip wasn't just like a, I'm going to be in China every week. This was a one kind of once a year big, big thing we were doing at work and a huge opportunity for me. And I still look back on that as a major shift in my career. That actual trip shaped that. But that was a big choice I had to make because I had literally, I had moms at work more senior than me say, why are you leaving your baby? to go to China. And I was like, wow, you're throwing a lot of guilt on me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, there's a grandma here and my husband's here and my brother and my brother's here. We're fine. But I literally got guilt thrown on me because I had a baby that was six weeks old and I was going to China for a work trip. And that was actually a really interesting shift. But I, I still remain 
committed to in order for me to give my my child my all, I've got to save something for myself. And if my something is work, if that something is like I'm going to put as much as I can into work, I'm not going to sacrifice that that the detriment of my child. But if I'm going to put my all into into work because work supports you and it supports me and makes me feel good, then I, I'm better when I come home at seven o'clock or or six o'clock at night. Hmm. But but it, it was a lot of communal pressure around the parents once I became a parent they're like oh you don't have to do that anymore someone else can do that and I was like no it's my my job this project is mine and <laughs> I'm going to China <laughs> so that's an example that kind of talks through that brings to life the experiences that, that I had as I was trying to navigate this like work life and parentdom and my second child it was very different I had full I had Johnson Johnson had adopted full leave to, to so to her point about knowing what your companies offer my company offer full parental leave for either father or mother of the child or grandparent, any parent of a child. You, you got full leave. So I was able to take three and a half months off work paid um, with my child. So I took that when my second child was out. Mm-hmm. TJ came home on Monday, on Friday. I went back to work for a week, wrapped everything up, and I was gone. See you on January. And I, I like <laughs> left. Mm-hmm. You know, so just having those two experiences were just really different. But I do think it is a challenge to try and balance how do you f- wrangle the communal pressures but also save something for you. Definitely. I'm just sitting here nodding like, yes, yes. <laughs> you know, I think my situation was a little, well, it was different because I had just started a job um, and didn't know what I would literally be able to access. The leave policies have actually changed in the last couple of years, which is awesome. Yeah. But I didn't know what I would access because I had been there for less than 12 months. Um, FMLA requires you to be there for at least 12 months, even if, you know, your your company offers an, uh, another policy. So I was, uh, I don't even think nervous is the best way to describe having to enter the first day of work, knowing that I'd reached a certain point in my pregnancy where I could share. Um, and then I'm telling my employer on that first day, FYI, I'm going to be requesting some leave, some amount of time in just a few months. And it was interesting because um, y- there are public conversations about being more affirming of parents and taking leave and so forth, but it still sends shivers down mm-hmm. people's backs yes. when you say, like, hey, I'm paying for you as an employee, and then you're actually going to cost me something. When the reality is and parents in the workspace who are supported and affirmed are going to be your hardest workers mm-hmm. and are going to continue to invest in the company, and you will actually reap the benefits of creating an affirming sort of parental workspace. Uh, I think also coming back, I felt a lot of pressure somewhat uh, from the job, but also definitely internally. Like, I want you to know that it was worth hiring me. And so sort of like this weird kind of guilt, like, mm-hmm. I'm going to perform. Don't worry. I, I will. Um, and then just sort of rapid growth in that space. Professionally, I didn't want to miss those opportunities. Right. I thought that I was in a really good professional space. And then the constant tug of like, and I also have this new person at home that I want to get to know better. <laughs> but uh, how do I balance that? I don't, I don't really think it's a balance. I think it's a juggle. Wh- when am I juggling certain things where I'm going to actually go full force on this work thing right now? I have a supportive partner. We will figure this out. And other times where it's like I need to pause because this actually isn't nourishing me. It's not taking care of my home space. Um, and having to bring my workspace along to be like, it's okay that I'm not doing this thing because I assure you the end, the end will still be great. Um, but I need to go home right now. Thank you. Y'all been through a lot. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's so much. You know, I think. Sorry. No, no, no. Just that 
I feel like I was cut out of a lot of spaces sometimes. The assumption is you're a parent, so you can't do this thing or you don't want to do this thing or, like, I'm not even going to consider you for certain conversations, opportunities, social activities. And so people who I think are trying to be caring end up doing this sort of, like, benevolence bias. Like, they exclude you from the conversation and making your own decision because they think they're being supportive in recognizing that you might have other obligations um, rather than allowing the person to say, I got this, or like, no, thank you. Uh, So it's been an interesting space to negotiate, like um, bringing myself into those conversations and being able to say, yes, I'll take that. No, thank you. I won't take that. So my final question for you both is one as your black queer parents that are working like crazy and doing amazing work at both of your jobs, which specialize in forms of diversity work what a lot of times juggling all these different identities dealing with the tax of all these different um pressures and differences what is one thing you'd want to impart to the world in supporting people who walk in your experience more just one main thing i would say really create your own path and, and I know that that sounds that can sound cliche, but I'm gonna uh, dissect it a little bit. I think that oftentimes we do a lot, a little bit too much communal living, meaning like we parent as a group. I'm gonna parent how my sister parents, and my sister thinks it's a, it's appropriate to tell me how to parent because she has a kid who's ten years old and mine is a newborn, right? Or I'm gonna party, or my best friends are gonna self-select me in or, me in or out of things because I'm a parent now and make decisions for my social life because I'm now a parent, right? I think that it's really important, or my boss is going to say, oh, these these things probably aren't for you anymore because you're a parent now. Oh, you may not be interested. And I would say be really clear in your intentions and really chart your own path because every kid is different. I have two children. They are literally, they are really opposites of each other in many ways that are very complementary, but also just really unique in a sense that, like, don't make assumptions about what's gonna what decisions you make and how they're gonna affect them twenty years from now. Make this make the best decisions you can today about either having children or raising children and go with that. But just be super intentional about it because I think it's easy to to walk in integrity when you're intentional. Then when you're spending a lot of time trying to please everyone in the community because you're trying to wear multiple hats to serve what auntie thinks and your mom thinks and your boss thinks and your kid thinks. Just like be intentional and strategic about how you want to live your life and how you want to balance this parent work thing and move in that space. And I feel like the best results generally come through that because you walk through it in peace versus walking this parental and work life through anxiety. Mm -hmm. I'll second that. You know, it's hard to essentialize one sort of piece of advice, but I I think... To sort of be uh, generous with yourself, some people um, have the power to negotiate these spaces in their workplace and to be able to say, like, I want to talk to upper management about how I want to do it, or you are upper management and get to set the rules. Many of us um, started off in different places and feel more uh, hesitant or uncomfortable or or, uh, sort of disenfranchised to have those conversations about what it is. But I think being authentic and true to yourself about it, it is easy... I think that um, both the sides of my family validated our my marriage more 
by having this child because it's like, oh, I get this, married with children. I understand what that means. I don't know what the same-sex marriage is, but I get married with children. And I think there are times in my head where I was like, to what you're saying, well, let me show you, we're just like you. But actually, there are a lot of, I mean, we're not, right? And I love them, and there, there are ways that we want to walk this path in our own right and being comfortable to say like actually no I'm gonna not I'm not approaching it in that way and um, it's hard right rewarding beyond words that I can describe but it is hard to be a working parent and I think that there um, I'm working hard personally and with my friends in similar positions to be generous with myself that when you forget this thing or you cut that out or you're just tired and you're you snap about something it's okay <laughs> right it doesn't make you a bad partner or a parent, and the next day is an opportunity to sort of start afresh and and to try and dismiss some of the judgment that you feel um, from community, friends, work, family, et cetera. I think it really requires a lot of generosity uh, and chocolate and wine definitely do not hurt. <laughs> oh, yeah. I will be honest. There are bottles consistently stocked <laughs> in my house. <laughs> Everybody has a bottle. <laughs> bottles are good. Yes. Yeah. Well, thank you both for your time. Thank you both for contributing. Thank you for just sharing and being completely vulnerable and authentic. And I think this will be very helpful for many others out listening um, while talking about bottles. (laughs) Because you guys are working overtime. Oh. Got y'all a gift, each of y'all. So I'm just going to hand it to y'all now. There you go. Thank you. Wow, it's all wrapped. It's the you guys, best it's part all about wrapped. being a working parent. Enjoy. This is your so bottle. All, all fancy. <laughs> working overtime. I love this. And then personally for Miss um, Kadri because of her recent um, promotion, Aww. and she's done a lot for me this week specifically. Um, you can thank take that home with you, you and um, enjoy that. But yeah, um, please, thank you both. Um, I hope we can expand this conversation again. And yeah, um, we're going to clock out. <laughs>